Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Business. For those that are new here, my name's George, and this is my podcast. I run a company called Sanctus, and I started Talking Business because I wanted to share what it's like, how what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling as I run a fast-growing company. But I also wanted to show how being yourself can be good for business and for life in general. I co-host the show with Scott, who also works at Sanctus. He's actually employee number two. And Scott asks all the all the questions. And from time to time, we bring on special guests to, to talk business with us. In this episode, we are joined by Damien Lane, who is a partner at Episode 1 VC and a prolific angel investor. And Damien talks about his experience of being himself as an investor throughout his career. And Damien's also an investor in Sanctus, so we talk about that quite a bit too. It's a great episode. We actually get straight into it. There's barely an introduction. I think we introduced Damien after like 10 minutes because the conversation just started flowing. So I won't hold off any longer. Let's get stuck in and I hope you enjoy. I've twisted your arm a little bit to come on this morning. What were your initial reservations? Well, it's half past eight on a Friday morning. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That makes sense. No, so, um, it, it'll probably involve me having to reflect and think about things, and I'm one of the world's least reflective, thoughtful people. <laughs> okay. So, um, so why did you it. invest in Sanctus then? <laughs> well, like, it, was, it was a moment of weakness after a lunch with James at Wagamama, <laughs> is the honest answer to that question. Um, and I've known James, you less well, but since the match chat. Days, I suppose, okay. probably 2013, 14, that kind of thing. Mm. And I've always, I mean, I didn't really like the match chat idea, and it turns <laughs> out for once I was right about that. Um, but I really like, you know, really like James particularly. You know, he was the sort of the main point of contact. Um, and he sort of, we, we had lunch, and he was talking about this kind of Sanctus and Nike for, he- I mean, even back then it was kind of Nike for yeah, mental yeah. health. And and you could, you could, you could tell, and this is a real cliche, you could tell that he really had a, it was like a vocation or a, a calling almost, if you like, that this was something he had experienced himself. Um, and he wanted to kind of fix that. Initially, I think it was kind of for founders. And obviously it's become bigger than that. But um, And so I do quite a lot of kind of early stage investing. And the kind of the if you read any book you ever read on you know angel investing or early stage investing or investing anything is kind of it's all about people and people who actually really understand the problem that they're trying to solve and James didn't talk about it in those terms but that was the um, you could absolutely tell um, and I um, one of the other reasons I well one of the reasons I really love early stage investing is because there's no data to go on so you don't have to spend a huge okay. amount of time thinking about it or looking at you know traction or engagement metrics or any of that sort of complicated stuff you just have a feeling about a person and i've had the feeling about the person about james anyway um so i said well he didn't even say we are raising actually he was sort of saying you know i'm doing this and sort of and i said well you know if you want an investor um you know let me know and i'm definitely good for a you know a small check yeah. and that was it Straight into the deep end. No, <laughs> that, was a, that, that was that. That seemed like a rehearsed answer. No, actually, yeah. wasn't. It? That was the, well, the good thing. So I'm when, actually when you get to my age, um, lying is a really, really bad idea because you can't remember what you said yesterday. <laughs> okay. So you have to tell the truth about yeah. these sorts of things. So, <laughs> no, that is absolutely how it happened. Did you know that story, Scotty? 
No, no, yeah. I, I, this is all like new information for me. I was surprised when you said you didn't know uh, the other investor there, Tom. So mm. I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't know why I presumed that sure the investor knows each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't think I've, I've not met. Um, well, this is the first time you've come into the office yeah, as well. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and when you think back to, because well, I remember meeting you back in the match chat days, what was the difference? You know, you said you didn't like it. Like, what was it that felt? So it wasn't that it, it felt off, but, you know, I, I don't know how many companies, how many business plans, how many meetings I have, you know, probably six or seven new companies a week and probably twice as many kind of people sending decks about things. And there are probably loads and loads of things that I've seen that I just don't get. Um, and I just it, it just didn't feel like I just didn't, didn't really get why anybody would how you could build a, a kind of an interesting meaningful business doing that mm. that was nothing so and and that happens that happens 99 times out of 100 you know you meet and, you, and then and I couldn't I can't tell you what it is you sort of you meet somebody and you you get irrationally excited about something. You have to get irrationally excited about something because if you're not irrationally excited about something as an early stage investor, you probably shouldn't do it. Mm. As opposed to James, who what, clearly had a reason to make it. Yeah, yeah. I keep hearing that, like this this idea that like there almost has to be like you you have to have the passion behind it. Like you've got to have a reason behind it. It has to be context almost, or you've got to have the drive as an individual kind of leading the charge. Uh, it can't just be a great idea but you don't really care about it yeah when I first even when I first met you I, re I do remember first meeting you back in the in the day and it was only briefly but I knew of you and in the last episode with Tom my perception of I talked about that my perception of investment was like Dragon's Den so yeah. I didn't really that bit that you've just said Scotty about passion about the emotion about getting well how did you just put it ridiculously excited irrationally about excited, irrationally yeah, excited yeah. about something that did from my kind of research on investment, that, was, that didn't even play into it. Uh, so I almost approached a meeting with you or a conversation with you in the Dragon's Den style of, okay, I need to pitch to Damien here to excite him or to present to him. But when you talk, it's like, that's not what you're looking for. Well, why is that the case? Like, why is it the case that they have to be? I mean, like, it, it seems obvious, but at the same time, like, if somebody came up to you with a really good idea that they clearly fought through, but they, you didn't just get that feel from them that they really wanted to do this, why would your would your immediate reaction be no? Um, on some level, maybe yeah, um, and I, I, I just think because it's really hard build starting something from scratch. Mm. Um, so you know, when you when you're looking either as an angel investor which is how, how I'm involved in Sanctus, or, or even worse, or even not worse, even, <laughs> even more so as a VC, what you're looking for is you're looking for a team of people who can build something really big and valuable, because, you know, um, and we'll come on to kind of, you know, all that, I'm sure, later on. <laughs> um, but it's a fundam fundamentally, it's a financial investment. Um, and uh, to build something really big from zero... We just look at the numbers of companies that start, raise, either don't raise, or raise a bit, and fold, or raise a lot and fold. It's really hard. Yeah. You know, convincing people who've never heard of you to stick their hands in their pockets and buy whatever it is you're selling. 
I mean, I've never, I've never tried it. I wouldn't have the. Am I allowed to say balls? Is that oh, you okay? can say yeah. it. Yeah. Um, wouldn't have the balls to do it personally. Just don't have the risk appetite for yeah. to take that kind of risk. Um, but you know, you've got to phone people up who you've never spoken to before, and convince them that your whatever it is, your widget or your service, is better than the other sixty things that they're getting called about. And it's really hard. Yeah. And you're going to get told no more often than you're going to get told yes. Yeah. Um, so you have to really want it and really believe it's... Um, yeah, it's almost like the purpose for the business has to be bigger than the individual. Yeah, which, uh, and I sort of hear the word purpose and it's kind of, you know, this this is a business with a purpose. So yeah. this is, a, this is yeah. a, or Sanctus is a business with a purpose. You know, there are lots of other businesses that I'm involved with that um, people would look at them and go, well, they don't have a purpose. Um, but there's definitely, you know, within the founding team there is a you know driving determination yep. to to change the way that something's happened or to do something new if i think of the, you know the best companies in the episode one portfolio every single one of the leaders of those companies wakes up every morning and you know that's all they think about yeah which is how you have to be purpose and just sanctus is maybe a lot more externally faced uh, in terms of the purpose um I feel like we may have skipped over who you are. <laughs> I think we went straight into it. That's a uh, very, very deep question. Yeah. <laughs> from from a so from Damien Lane, yeah. fifty years old. Yeah. Um, Your daughter's listening. Yeah, they are. They're listening. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so uh, yes, I'm Damien. I'm a um, an angel investor, but the day job is as a um, a partner in Episode One, which is a early stage seed investor investing in stuff that we get excited by. Um, most, all, pretty much all the companies are UK based. Most of them are London based. Um, and we kind of, our, our shtick, if you like, at episode one is helping people go from teams of two to helping them build a company of 20, 30, and then helping them either raise money or if they don't need to raise money, um, build a you know big valuable business that changes an industry of some description. That's have, it. Have you, have you always done in investment? Um, I've, I've never had a proper job. You're quite right. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> that wasn't the question. No, well, it's the, it is the answer. The, um, so I did, I, I spent, uh, six years working in, uh, a French bank, um, which no longer exists, nothing to do with me, the fact that it no longer <laughs> exists. Uh, and then they very kindly, um, paid for me to go to business school, which I went to business school. Uh, and then I joined a private equity firm mm. called Electra. So I've had kind of somebody I was at, a, at an event recently and somebody said what are the three lucky what what who are the three people who've kind of had most influence over you and there was a guy who ran the the French bank the guy who recruited me um at Electra and then in terms of business it would be Simon who's the, the co-founder of um of episode one with me and Adrian um so I've been three massive bits of luck in the space of what is now sadly 30 years um so I've always invested, in, and so at Electra we were investing in profitable mid-size. Well, they started off profitable, profitable mid-size kind of companies, food wholesalers, restaurant chains, all sorts of things. Um, and then the financial crash happened, so there wasn't as much cash to do that as there used to be. I spent a bit of time doing angel investing, and that's when I went to Oxpus, um, and that was where I kind of started learning the the early stage investment ropes. And then met Simon, who's like I say, we started episode one. Seven years ago, nearly seven years ago now. Yeah, I know. Um, I know we want to get on to talk about like the relationship, but mm. how did 
today come about? I so. genuinely feel like I've twisted Damien's <laughs> arm a little bit. I did a little bit. I was like, I, I, genuinely, Damien, the more I've got to know you over the last couple of years, I just feel like every time we catch up, we try and catch up every couple of months. And we always just have great chats. And it's not just about business. It is about life. And mm. I think the way you think and the way you talk, I just love catching up with you and always come away. Me, Honestly, me and James always come away from catching up with you with a different perspective, always feeling, we just feel good. <laughs> and sometimes we talk about some difficult stuff, you know, we say we're struggling with this or we don't know how to do this or, and you always, I just feel like you're always there for us. I've always felt once I started doing this, I was like, I'd love to get Damien on basically. You've always been like one of my people that I'd just love to have this kind of chat with. Um, so it's that's why- a massive disappointment. <laughs> this, isn't yeah, it? yeah, so that's why I've- That's a big writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when I, and then I sent Damien, one of the episodes, the one where me and JMO were talking about, would we sell? Because I just thought that's yep. a yep. great episode to get a feel yeah, for yeah, what we what yeah. it's like. And it's the most open and vulnerable we are on, on this. And to give you a feel, how did you feel? Or what was it like listening to that? You, you email me on Sunday morning and say, I've just listened to this. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it was it was like listening to the two of you. You know, we'd had lunch well, was last week or two weeks ago. And it was like listening to you talking about about that. So it was totally consistent with everything you've, you, you know, you've said. Um, I mean, so, which is, I, I wasn't, I didn't really know what to expect, frankly. Yeah, were uh, you nervous yeah. at all? Thinking. About, or just, I don't know, but maybe I'll an sleepless night thinking about what am I going to know. No, that, well, the headline was, what you mean about listening to the episode? Yeah, I mean, Would like we sell Sanctus? Uh, yeah, just <laughs> seeing that and being like, here we go. Bloody better, Ed. <laughs> no, 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 so you can cut that bit out. <laughs> what was it, the, um, I the think, so, sorry, as well, the reason I wanted <laughs> yeah. Damien to, to listen to that is because that's the kind of thing we would talk to Damien about. It's like, you know, what are you in this for? What are we, what are we trying to get? What, what's the vision? What are we, where are we getting to? What we get, where are we getting towards? And I think like the, I think what's really fascinating is having you on today. I think that dynamic, we get asked a lot about Sanctus, you mm. know, you've got this purpose, you've got this vision, but you're also, you've got investors. And, and you're also, people know me, you know, I'm, you know, entrepreneurial. So it's like, you wouldn't be doing this if there wasn't kind of a big, bigger picture to mm. this. And I just think it's a question we always get asked. And yeah. I think hearing your perspective on that as well is, is cool as well. Yeah. Because I think the idea, because I know last last time mm. <laughs> I tried to grill uh, the uh, Tom Foyle, like finding out if he, if he had to choose between like a, a big financial reward. Uh, or like a, a huge social impact with Sanctus, what it would be. Tried to make it binary, even though it wasn't exactly a binary answer. Yeah, well, um, one will lead to the other. Yeah. How do, how do you see it? What would be my answer to that? How do you see it, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't think, um, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I probably, I started off, so the, the kind of the initial investment was, um, I sort of think this should exist because, you know, I'm on the board of, I don't know, probably eight or nine companies. And um, the struggle is real, as the saying goes. And you do see people go through real trauma. Um, and it's, it's it, as a founder, the pressure must be kind of unbelievable, particularly when things are not, as, as things don't, they don't always go smoothly. So you have this the likelihood is as a as a founder you've all, you've you have in the 25 or 30 or 40 years up to the point of starting a business you have been a successful person chances are yeah um 
because you've you know you've built a a CV or a track record of good enough to persuade people that you know you're good enough to back the business. So one of our founders, you know, first class degree from you know one of the best universities, went and did a master's, did it kind of really fast, joined one of the world's leading consulting firms, was on track for partner, and left to do, left to do this startup. And it's taken a lot longer than he thought it was going to. And there have been some real, real emotional times. So, so you know, um, it's that helping with that problem, which was kind of the genesis of it, I think, as far as I was concerned, felt to me like that should that's something that should exist as a social, you know, a social good. So if I never made any money out of it, but it helped 10, 20, 30 people kind of go through that journey, then that would be great at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot more. I think I think a this it, it's a wider solution. That's not just founders now. It's team members and yeah. helping um, helping the world be a happier place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and in so doing, you know, it, the guys have proven um, that you can build a business that um, at a minimum washes its face, so yeah. it's sustainable. Um, and the, you know, at some point, the choice will be: Do we want to make this profitable, or do we want to help? You know, do we want to plough the profits that we're making into helping people who can't afford to pay? For, you know, all, yeah. all, the, all that sort of stuff. And I've got no no idea, and um, I've got no idea how it's going to end up. But that you know, the, there are options. Yeah, yeah. And as an investor, um, it wouldn't bother me if I never saw a pound back. And if it helped a hundred thousand people, then that would be great. Okay. What was that? But was it, that would be, mean, it would be even oh. better if it helped a million people and I made a ton of yeah. cash out of it. <laughs> it's a double win. But, that... I, but I don't, and honestly, I, th- I, think, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I would, I would, I would be, I'd be, a much, I'd be a much happier investor if we made a bit less money but had helped a few people who couldn't afford to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think but that's, that's me kind of trying to influence what the, you know, the purpose of the business is not. <laughs> should, definitely should be doing that. Was that a key factor when you invested? Or was, was like, and you can be as honest as possible, but like knowing the purpose of it to do with mental health yeah. in the workplace. Yes. Was that as key a factor as it was yeah. seeing James yeah. as, well, as yeah. the founder? Yeah. Because James, I suppose James could have been really passionate about gardening. Mm. Or, or like ma- <laughs> make, and, and there's probably yeah. a huge business in gardening yeah, that yeah. just is, but like plant. <laughs> putting uh, plants in the bigger. ground but then you'd also have to be like okay i love your passion but i can't really see yeah, where not, that yeah. what that is i don't get it yeah yeah you don't get it so it kind of needs to align with with you as well yeah did you know like mental health roughly was something that you cared about no so i've i've never i've never really thought about it like i said earlier on i've never i've never been a sort of deep reflector about things or yeah. you know i'm yeah. not a particularly philosophical person ironically i did philosophy at university which probably <laughs> was a bad choice but there we are um but um so my my kind of and people have you know forever talked about meditation and, and people start talking about mindfulness i don't know when that started but you know all that kind of stuff so i'd run an hour and a half every day and that is my i guess thinking about it Saying, I do think about it. That's my kind of mindfulness. Because people say, you know, what do you think about when I'm running? Answer pretty much nothing. Yeah. So I don't honestly just don't think about anything, <laughs> which is sad, really, isn't it? But and I, you know, I don't listen to music, don't listen to podcasts. If I enough, it's it's interesting. If I do listen to, I tried listening to podcasts while I was running, and I got to the end of the run, and I hadn't actually heard a single word that was said, and I couldn't remember anything that was said because I kind of just zone out. 
Um, so I so um, this is a very long-winded non-answer to the question you didn't ask me. Um, <laughs> but, and then and then so the other part of that is uh, I have uh, a sibling, uh, older sibling who um, had very difficult kind of professional incident which doesn't really matter what it was when he was kind of in his 40s and it affected him for a good decade and um i'm involved with something called park run i don't know if you guys have park run at any point anybody out oh, there you should run, don't yeah. forget your barcode yeah. um, so i'm involved i'm i'm sort of involved with our my local park run and my brother got involved in park run and i honestly i think it saved his life Really, that kind of so he, he I mean he doesn't run like I run, but he probably runs he runs every day, thirty minutes, forty minutes, and he just finds it's um it's just it's a release, it's mm. a kind of a forty minutes out of the m- madness that goes on in the rest of his life um and I think there are there are loads of stories like that about no, yeah, yeah. um so, huge so for him, that's running for me, it's running for other people, it's kind of the ability to s- sit down with a group of people and mm. sort of say this is what I'm dealing with at the moment so has your time since invent- investing in sanctus made you like more aware of things like that like bef- before sanctus were you like I probably should say yes shouldn't I <laughs> no, probably, probably, probably not or just in terms of like <laughs> I appreciate the answer <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what it's all about every time I ask a question like that I deep down just want give me honesty no to be honest give me honesty <laughs> no the real truth um so I, I remember you saying there's certain blog posts and certain things that really resonate with you on a certain level whether it's for you and you've kind of shared it with people or yeah, you yeah. Know, so, so a, a really good example. Ages ago now. Um, so one of my one of my daughters, who should probably remain nameless, hmm. um, she is. Uh, what's the what's the word? She's very hard on herself. She's very. She's you know. She's very able. You know. Always gets you know good marks and all that sort of stuff. Um, and there was a blog really really early that James wrote, and I can't even really remember what the content was now. But I remember reading it and thinking, oh, my God, that's her. And I showed it to my wife, and she went, oh, my God, that's her. And then we showed it to her, and she looked at me and she said, oh, my God, that's me. <laughs> um, and, and just even reading, reading something written, so I'm 50 years old, so as far as I'm concerned, you know, or as far as my daughter's concerned, I'm kind of half dead. But to <laughs> see somebody like James, who's you know good-looking, young you know, lad of you know, whatever he is, um, just it, that was mu- that connected with her much more than me, sort of, or her mum saying, you know, it'll, you know, chill. Yeah, yeah, an external source. Um, so that that was that was probably that was the that was kind of. I mean, you're, I, I answered your question flippantly earlier. That so that to me was the kind of the big to start with. It was kind of yeah, I think this should exist, and, and then actually that that blog post was kind of actually yeah, wow, this is. It's worth my money. There's a bit more in this than I thought. (laughs) And so what, how does, this is quite a vague question, but how does the relationship between you two work? Because you say you meet, what, every six months, really. He thinks it's every two months. Probably, (laughs) yeah. We try our hardest to pin each other down and it just doesn't happen. But um, the way I'd describe it, it's it's so, I don't know whether it is unique. This is what I wanted to ask you. Do you feel like you have this relationship with, Every person you yeah. or company you invest with, because um, I used to back in the day, me and James with Match Chat, we would always kind of our relationship with our investors was very much that present because we started from the day one with the kind of pitch. We then had to kind of keep it up. So 
you know, we'd check in every few months and the pitch that we kind of, that front that we'd given every few months when we'd catch up, we'd have to keep the front up. Mm. And that was for three or four years, killed us in the it's end. It's exhausting, isn't it? it yeah. we, we had this front on for four years and that, that it really, it did. That's what led to a lot of that, that relationship, our relationship with our investors led to a huge amount of stress and a huge breakdown for both of us. What I've really appreciated, and I think we're almost, we did it ourselves and James especially did it, was James up front from day one was mm. like, Damien, I'm not trying to raise any money, but this is what I'm going through. This is who I am. So it was, there was no front from day yeah. one. But that's meant that as I've got to know Damien, every time we catch up, we can just tell you our, I feel like we tell you our darkest, deepest yeah. fears and you're just there for us. And hearing you say like, look, you know, we might lose our money here. We might, it might not work. It gives, hearing you say that on him gives me so much more, I just, I feel like I could say anything to you. Where, whereas investors that have been have been involved with one of my businesses before, I haven't felt like I could say that. Mm. So I've held things back. And, and I think, I mean, you know, you talked about you know the dragon's den sort of mentality. I think most, I think a lot of founders, and probably some of the founders I work with, there is a, there is an element of performance when you. I mean, you have to perform a little bit in front of your employees because you know even if you've got two months money yeah. left, you have to tell you know you have to feel you have to look like you really mean it otherwise people are going to start looking for something else to do yeah. when you're talking to investors even if you're you know if you've got problems very very few founders feel which is a, i think is a real shame feel that the ability to open up to the investors and say listen this is you know this is a real struggle um and i think it's it's people have a I think there are. I think more investors. So I wish more of our my, the guys I work with, um, either as an angel investor or, or, or episode one, um, felt that they could have that kind of conversation, because I just think it would be much much healthier. Mm. Um, you say the relation. Well, you're quite quick to say no when you said is the relationship similar. What what is different then about the relationship with uh, James and George? Um, like, like a fundamental. Obviously, well, there seems to be. So I think most most of the difference comes from from I'll call it the founder side, if you like, yeah. because you don't you know you are what you are. You're very clear about what you're doing. You know what the purpose of the thing is to use your 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 word. Um, you, you, you've never felt the idea to go, yeah, it's going brilliantly, and then sort of as you walk away, thinking, oh, do you think he kind of you know do you think he's going to give us more? So there's never been any of that agenda. Um, it's interesting just here as you were talking there I had a, a board meeting yesterday with a company and I think so it was our first board meeting post investment and the we'd had loads of conversations obviously before about what the plan was and what expectations were and all that kind of stuff and we spent my partner and I who um, are on the board together with the founders spent most of the board meeting telling them not to worry if they weren't hitting the targets that they had set themselves for sales because that wasn't the most important thing was to build a product not to not to sell and you could I, you could we had we were probably together for an hour and a half and we spent an hour basically saying that again and again and again and again um, and you could sort of see them looking at us thinking do they really mean that aren't they going to be hacked off if we haven't sold anything by September mm. and the honest answer is if we haven't sold anything by September, but we've done all the rest of the bit that we talked about and the other rest of it, we'd be absolutely thrilled. So okay. there's, there's a kind of a mismatch of expectations. We, which isn't to say we never want them to sell something, but we want, so it's much more important to be 
when you're fundraising to be in the position you do need to be in than having an intermittent I'm not being very clear here, but so the, the, I guess the choice they have is to sell sell a, a little bit every month, and to have lots of plates wobbling. So they can't because they haven't got enough resource. They can't deliver products that will generate revenue and build a product that will be sustainable and scalable and really ma- amazing to use because they just don't have enough people. So they were thinking, what we'll do is we'll wobble along. You know, we'll sell a company, we'll sell a, a contract a month and we'll kind of manage it. And over here, when we're not okay. doing that, we'll build a product. And actually, we just said, stop, don't, don't, don't collect any more wobbly plates. Deal with the people who you've got on board at the moment and just make sure that over here you're massively investing in product so that the next customer you get is not wobbly. They're going, wow, this is bloody amazing. And it's there is a there's so there's a there's just a total mismatch. Even though we'd had that discussion before we invested, it's a, it's a kind of it's just a weird it's a weird thing. And over time, hopefully, they'll realise that we do actually mean that. Mm. <laughs> so it's not necessarily the level of honesty. They seem quite honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, t- they're totally on. They're totally honest. They just have they their their expectations. Expectations. Their expectations. Our expectations of them yeah. are different to the reality. And that is just through what you're built up to believe the relationship should be as opposed to what it is. Oh, God, our investors want us to grow like crazy. Yeah. And if we come back next month and we haven't grown, they're going to be cross with us, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But you can you can understand it because that's the that's the kind. There's a lot of stuff about VCs telling their founders to grow too fast and all that stuff. It does happen. Mm. So the relationship with between you guys is different because from the beginning you were like, well not accidentally I think we were scarred we were yeah. deeply scarred and what's really interesting is last time when things didn't work out with Mass Chat there was a period where we both blamed the investors we said things like they didn't get it they didn't understand they they weren't there they didn't get it How can you? and look at, looking back <laughs> we didn't let them in like we didn't tell them we don't know what we're doing until it was too late we didn't tell them Guys, that the plan that we thought would work actually, this no one's using this app in the way that we thought they would. Like, what can we do? Mm. Like, sit around. Mm. Instead, we'd always be putting that. Because the sense I got from hearing your stories with your investors in Match Chat was that level of dishonesty, but it doesn't seem to be. But it was our pro- it was our fault, I think, yeah. because but we you, were afraid. You, yeah, you we were the afraid. founders were the instigator of that. Dishonesty. I was afraid because I, in a sense, sold this plan and dream and, and thing that I did believe in at the time. But then quickly I realized that wasn't, I learned very quickly. I went from being a student to, I just started to pick things up really fast. So very quickly I was like, this isn't really working. This this isn't going to work. So at that point, very early on, I, we should have said that, but I was too afraid and didn't mm. speak up and mm. didn't feel like I could. I, yeah, I think they could have helped kind of maybe yeah. make me feel yeah. a bit safer and be like, you can tell us anything. Mm. But it was- Whether also, you'd have heard that or not. Exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah. What and so does that make the relationship easier having this like I suppose full trust full like almost going into it and not expecting to calm anybody down uh well yeah I suppose does this relationship make it easier in general yeah so um I mean it does it's a it's um for for what it is from my perspective it isn't it's an ideal relationship so you know I regular kind of conversations hearing about developments um if I was if I was a bit, a bit more involved, I'd want to know a bit more. But um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it, it works very well, and you know, 
I sort of feel like if the, if there was if the guys wanted anything or wanted help or you know they picked the phone up. So that's yeah, that's you, that's what you want. Yeah. And what determines you'd be one of the first I call, I, I call a thing. I think the the fear I was going to say is there a fear for you that um, we won't progress and if you don't have that kind of um, attitude of like we need to grow. No. Um, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like a parent. I, I was talking to my dad yesterday oh, about. <laughs> I knew. Was, I, I knew. Sorry. That, I knew that word was going to come. Sorry, up. sorry, sorry. At least it's not grandparent. <laughs> yeah. It's good of him. <laughs> my dad. I was no, talking no. about me, my brother, and my sister, and how we've done. We're all doing different things, and we're all quite happy in, in what we're doing. But it's all very different. And I asked him, were there times where you really wanted to force me to not go into certain things because you really wanted me to go into not this because it was safer and because you could see how I could be you know just safer yeah. and i feel like with you know at the end of the day any investor they want they've got our best interest at heart they mm. want us to succeed that's why they're in and that is kind of that parent attitude of like letting us figure it out and fall over and find our own way it might take us a bit longer it might take us a few years longer or it's you know do this because yeah. <laughs> i yeah. know it will work yeah. and yeah. yeah it was interesting talking to my dad about that because I've, I've just resonated a lot with uh, it was a similar conversation in, in a way. Um, him letting me, Lucy and Henry, figure our own way. And he, had, at times, he said there was times when he really wanted to go, George, what are you doing? Like, why why have you quit that? Or st what yeah. are you doing? Just, But he had to bite his tongue and just let me figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a lot more difficult as a parent than as an investor in their startup, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> what, um, what determines your level of involvement? Is that, is it from how the business is going more, or is it just more? No, it's, it's entirely led by the, so I've probably got 30 angel investments, um, and 10 of them you never hear from unless they're raising money. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll write an email and say, you know, how are things going? You don't hear anything back, and that's, that's you know, that's fine. They've got other things to be getting on with. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, you want a quarterly, you know, a cup of coffee just to find out how things are going, see if you can help in some way, shape or form. And people want to help. Yeah. Um, and you can help in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways, depending on what the company is. Um, you know, I don't, so I, I, the way I, the way one of the, one of the kind of gating factors for me, whether it's angel investing or VC, VC investing, is I want to work with people who don't need my help but who wants it? Um, Why is that? Because I, there's not enough time. In, so okay. if, if somebody needs my help to be successful, they're barking up totally the wrong tree. Yeah. Um, you know, that needs to come, you know, the, if you look at the look at the sort of people who've, who've set up successful businesses in the UK, none, none of those guys, none of those guys needed help from other people. They might have had a nudge along the way, which, you know, gave them a shortcut to help them grow faster or do better or hire better, but they're all, you know, successful and they would have been successful anyway. Yeah. Um, and as a as a as an investor, the influence on you have on whether something is successful or not is pretty limited, I think. Okay. Um, it's you know, these guys are at this seven days a week. You know, they wake up in the morning, they think about it. I'm thinking about it a couple of times a quarter. So is this like an opportunity for you? Like, do you feel like at the start of it, you're like. It's almost like I want to get involved in this. Um, when you say op, I'm not, not sure when you say. Well, as in like because the way you worded there sounds more like 
I believe in this person. I want to be on board with this because I know they're going to get there. Or is it more? Or do you feel like the level of risk? Do you know what well, I mean? What you're asking is what excites you. Is that right? Like, is it the risk and the, the fun of the the excitement of the risk, or yeah, is it suppose, the kind are, of? Are you making an educated gamble in many ways, or are you thinking this is this is a done deal and I want to be on this journey? No, so there's no, uh, my view, there's no done deals, um, but you have to. So I, this is me personally, not everybody. Um, I have to feel like I would like to spend more time with the person. Okay. Um, so the the other the other kind of so I've talked about the kind of wanting help but not needing it. The other the other lens I look through is um, so like I said I've got two two daughters seventeen eighteen nearly seventeen and eighteen um, and quite often I look at an entrepreneur and think would if my daughters left university and came and work for you for two years would that be would they end up learning a ton? Not necessarily would it be a pleasant experience. But would they learn lots, um, and would it be a would it be a useful kind of would they collect lots of skills and lots of experience that would be useful to them? And I think, with the exception of one, all of the people I've ever invested in, I would love you know my you know either one of my kids to end up spending a bit of time in them because I think they'd all learn they'd learn something. It's a good that's a wow. good way of checking to be I've, fair. Yeah, I, w- I was going to ask what is the one, but is that something we should? No, I probably should. Yeah, no. probably should. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can, you're such like you talk about your family a lot. It's just I can tell like you're almost investment. For hearing that, I was actually going to ask you: Do you feel like your approach to to business, to work, to investment is is rooted in in that? And I think it. I think hearing that, that's a huge. That's huge. I don't think I've ever heard an investor say I actually base it on could my daughters work there <laughs> it's a good base it's amazing yeah. um, it's such a good rule it makes me really think about that that's, that's amazing it's a good way of thinking about mm. it really I'm not sure any of them would hire either of them but yeah. <laughs> I, I don't we'll know. get them on the I podcast don't. next time Scott. we'll get them in I'd love <laughs> that would you work for I'd love that How, I, was, I was also interested so out of the 30 or so investments you've made yeah. or where did you make your money was there like one co- company or that really smashed it is there one story that you've got where I don't know. No, so um, honestly, I've so uh, I've had one exit. One 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 company has sold, put it that way, um, which was you know a great outcome, and that's actually an interesting one. So it's it's a company that sold for eleven or twelve million quid, which from a venture investor point of view would be pretty disappointing, but as an angel investor was awesome. Um, Why? Like that, 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 that confuses me. Is is a, a, how long have you got? No, give yeah. it like the two seconds. <laughs> so as a as a venture investor, so we've got, let, let's say the fund is, is 50 million quid. Um, in order to raise the next fund, the best venture funds return three times their money. So we need to, we need to find 150 million okay. quid to give back to our investors. So of the 50 million, only 40 million roughly gets invested in the actual companies, the rest of its fees and all that sort of stuff. So 40 million, you have to turn into 150 million. So let's say you do 40 investments of a million each, doesn't work like that, but this is just to make the maths a bit easier. Um, Half of the companies will be worth nothing. That's reality. So you've got to turn 20 into 150. Okay. Um, And of of the 20 that don't return nothing, the chances are that half of them will probably you get your money back. So now you've got to make 150 out of okay. 10. 
and you own 10% of the company, roughly, after you've kind of, that's the way the maths work, after it's raised Series A, Series B. So you've got to find one and a half billion pounds worth of companies to be, to, 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 to stay in business. Okay. And that's quite, when you think about it in those terms, that's, that's not, not so fair. making five times your money on investment out of one of those 10 companies means that you've got to find 15 times your money out of another one of them to get to that one and a half billion. Fine. So that's, whereas as an angel investor, if you do 50K um, and you make five times your money and you don't pay tax on it, that's 250K, happy days. Yeah. So it's a totally, it's a totally different mindset, totally different. Um, so a lot, and most of the companies that we see at episode one, a lot of them will be very nice angel investments but they're, not, they're just not attacking a problem or a market that's ever going to be able to build a business that's worth three, four, five hundred million. Okay. I think I understand. Yeah. I didn't know that before I raised money. Like, this is the genuine... The, I didn't really fully get my head around that before we raised our first quarter of a million. I didn't know. Yeah. I Do you kind of knew, but I didn't know. So if you went down the venture capital through, it would have been... I think me and Jamo, you know, in the last episode when we talked about that, there, there's a potential that Sanctus one day, we really can see how having more money would mean that we can do a lot more. Mm. But we'd have to be really sure that that's what we want to do because that is, the, that is what a VC, that's the conversation we'd have with a VC. It's like, look, if you take 5 million from us, we look, you, we need to have, be aligned here if like we're going to attack something big because it needs to be worth it to them and, 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 and to us. So yeah, they're the kind of conversations we didn't have up front when we raised that kind of money. So, and I think it's it's a good question. Like, what does that mean? You know, but yeah. uh, 12, 30 million per an angel investment is awesome. awesome. And is that where you made your money to be able to reinvest into? No, so um, uh, that was from so the the um, the money I made before I was from my career in private equity is what sort of sustains me now. Um, I just got really lucky, really lucky. <laughs> Um, just you know, ridiculous, really. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you, t- you told me stories about some of the companies you've invested in that you've seen from ground zero up, and, yeah. and either kind of you've been, you know, there's they've sold shares, or um, there's been another investment round, and you've been a part of that journey, and you might have made some money from those those sort of changes or those investment rounds. But the way you talk to me about it is like. You just love, you, you just get excited. You're like, guys, they, they just had a website when I first met them and now they've just raised X million. And yeah, it's brilliant, yeah. You, you yeah. get so excited about that story. So so um, honestly, it really, the, the money is the least important thing, which is a really weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the, 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 the best thing of all is meeting somebody in 2012 or 2013 who's got a co-founder um, and they've got this idea and they may be yeah, sort of hacking together a service and then watching so james hind at carwell i have to name check james and alex and david so the three so um david left a very highly paid job at barclays capital to become cto of carwell um and james was flogging or trading number plates out of his flat in islington to sort of sustain himself uh, and they were selling 10 cars a month um and james you know, didn't know the difference between revenue and cash and bookings and all that sort of stuff. But he he knew that buying a new car was an absolute horror story. Um, and he's gone from, so he hired, remember he came, they, they came and um, occupied space in the same building that we were in, on the same floor, the three of them. 
Um, and I remember interviewing John Neeler, who was their first employee, who's still with the company, and, and just putting together a job description and a job advert. Um, and he's gone from that to having, you know, over 200 people. And he's got people who've been, you know, the finance person's ex-Goldman, the, his COO is, you know, was a senior exec at eBay. Um, the head of people's got, you know, got a track record working for some really big companies. So he's seeing somebody go from 24, 25, whatever it was, when he kind of making it up as he went along to running a pretty big business now with people in Spain, Germany. Just watching that growth is just unbelievable. Yeah. What kind of, like, is that the... What's personally satisfying you from that? Is it is it the amount of people that is now supporting? Is it the social so? This impact? is going to sound terrible, but the the, the 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 best thing about it is having been right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think I know what you mean there. Yeah. Um, so another one of our one of our companies is hopefully about to close a you know interesting size round from a uh, a big investor, and honestly, uh, it's. It's having seen, so he's been he's been up and down, and it's been very close to the wire a couple of times, you know, a couple of years ago, um, and, and it was in the middle of last year. The business has literally exploded. Just never seen anything like it. Absolutely crazy. He's hired some amazing, amazing people. Um, we sort of met the, the kind of senior management team of sort of seven or eight people um, early this week. All of them amazing, um, really, really just incredible people. And just seeing him go from 12 months ago when things were, you know, pretty hard to the current position he's in where he's, he's about to do this exciting round and they're going to the US. And it's just, that's just, that's kind of a, you know, I've never scored a goal at Wembley or made 100 <laughs> at Lords, but that's kind of, as, that's as good as it gets. It just feels like everyone's like a, a, a big story in itself that just seems to have a very satisfying end. Well, not, they don't not always, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's, you know, that's... Um, so talk about so mental health, which is kind of, I guess, on, on the agenda today. One of the, one of the things I learned... So I, had a, I was investing in private equity in sort of 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, and there were some pretty horrific times professionally. So I made a, a couple of shocking investments, um, which, you know terrifying amounts of money at stake and that was as close as I've ever come to being you know not sleeping and I was super stressed out for probably for two or three years really like really stressed out um so once you've once that experience I had to sort of keep telling me that you know that kind of this too will pass I'm still, you know, I'm 40, 41, 42 years old. This is horrific. But actually, I'm probably going to get to 45 and I'll, I'll probably get to 50. And you just have to keep, I had to keep telling myself, the way I dealt with it was this this will pass. Your kind of balloon releasing thing that you talk, mm. talked about on your, um, yeah. um, a couple of weeks ago, that was that was me kind of releasing the balloon. Um, so what I've learned from that, again, um, long answer to a question you didn't ask me. What I've learned from that is that actually... Um, there's nothing you can do about it as, a, as an investor. So the investment may be going wrong. All you can do is have some kind of empathy with the, the founders who are going through this and it's their one baby. We've got 30 babies and some of them, you know, some of them are doing better than others. The founding team have got one baby. They've made lots of promises to people like me. They've made promises to the employees. 
so they're going through absolute, you know, and the the you the the one thing you have to do in that sort of circumstances is almost literally sometimes be a shoulder to cry on, and say, listen, you you don't want to add to the burden. Mm. You want to be um, you have to be totally dispassionate about it. But this isn't working, so you know we can't put more money into the company. But once you've kind of and you want to do that as quick as early as you possibly can, so that everybody's got a opportunity to sort of do the right thing and look after employees and all that sort of stuff. But once you've made that decision, you have to be super supportive. So you have to divorce your kind of emotional involvement and not be emotionally involved. Mm. And I don't mean not be emotionally involved from a, a empathy point of view because you have empathy with the founder who's kind of you know worked for three or four years and it hasn't worked but you can't afford to let that influence I can't I, I won't let, allow that to uh, to influence the way the rest of my life runs so were the stakes higher then or were you just putting this pressure on yourself the state, well the stakes were higher because personally um, because now I'm I'm playing with the house's money okay from a personal point of view yeah. that the, the reality is um, if everything I invested in now from a startup point of view, didn't work, I'll still be fine at the age of 60 and 70 and 80 and my kids will be able to, you know, finish their education and all that sort of stuff. That was that didn't feel like that was true when I was 40. What I've, I find amazing about that is the fact, because you're in that mind state and, and they're there in your career and in your life, that filters down to our relationship and, I, you know, you're, so you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of, and that affects you, Scotty, like working day to day because... I don't. I'm not looking over my shoulder, worrying because Damien's worrying. Do you know what I mean? It kind of it no, does yeah. have this trickle down effect, um, and I've seen that in with other founders and other companies where either an angel investor or a v, or a company has put a lot of is it is at stake for that individual or that company. So with their meetings and their catch ups, that pressure and stress, whatever you call it, filters down into the founder, and then that filters down as well. Sorry, Scott. And the wires come out. So weirdly, I'm I'm tougher on the companies that are doing well than I am hmm. on the ones that are doing badly because if you're or bad, badly is the wrong word but are, are not performing according to the founder's expectations because okay. there's only there's, there's nobody who cares more about that than the founder so actually you owe it to that person to make their life easier not make their life more difficult if things are going really really well you, you're always sort of pushing and prodding and saying you know could could things be even better because we know you feel great about the way things are, but actually, could we? What can we do to make sure the next six months is even better than the last six months? You don't want them to rest on their laurels. Well, it's, so it's, it's can you you want to maximise the opportunity? So you know we've, we're on we're really onto something here. Can we can we hire somebody even better in marketing? Can we can we upgrade the team? Can we you know whatever the case may be? Yeah, I'm conscious of starting to wrap it up. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. Ju I just kind of want to ask if. At the times where the stakes were higher, so it was less playing the house's money, um, would you have invested in Sanctus at that time? No, because I didn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> but if if you had the opportunity, so if you no, so so um, no, I mean I've, so I've I've changed an awful lot as a person yeah. though, between the ages of forty and fifty. Um, I think for the better. Uh, yeah, so I, I I spent the first so my motivation when I was eighteen, or even when I was leaving university, earlier than eighteen. So I, I mean, my you know I was I grew up in a kind of a normal family. I'm normal. I'm one of eight kids. My dad was a teacher. It's a big family. Um, yeah. It's a big family. Yeah. Um, you know, um, when I was kind of you know seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Um, 
you know, I don't want to make it sound like I, you know, grew up in a, but you know, hand-me-down clothes, all that sort of stuff. And I've always, 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 and I see it in one of my children, I've always been motivated by financial security. So when I left school, I, the university, I chose the university I went to because I thought it would be the best opportunity for me to get the most highly paid job I could possibly get. When I left university, I deliberately went and spoke to banks because that, that, they were the people who were paying most. And that was, that was, I honestly didn't really care whether I was doing anything, you know, useful. I mean, my dad used, used to drive my dad nuts because um, I think he thought I should be an academic or something, which would have been a terrible disaster, by the way. But, um, and so, and then I had, a, I've been very, I've been super lucky. Um, so I don't need to worry about financial security. But I know that if I, I would, I would, if I wasn't financially secure now, that would be, that would still be my number one driver. So between the ages of 40 and 50, I kind of, got into that position. I wasn't in that position in 40, so I can I can be much more relaxed about stuff now. So it's a different totally different, different outlook. Totally different outlook on stuff, yeah. So honest. Scotty, I told you. Didn't I say how good <laughs> this would be? I still want to know. Go on. We're, we're, but in, in terms <laughs> of investing in like No, because I probably have said, because I was a, you know, I was kind of central, you know, Hollywood central casting private equity guy. Okay. Pretty cynical. I'm pretty cynical now. Um, I'd have gone this load of rubbish. We talk helping people with their mental health. You yeah. Fucking go and do some yoga or something. You, <laughs> you, you it. But, no, I think world, but I think the world has changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I mean, and 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 you know, this is a real cliche. Having children changes you because you, you they they are you know they are much they are woke. Yes, yeah. the same goes, right? <laughs> Scott, you use that one sometimes. Right? I don't know what that means. I, don't use I still don't know what that means. So, you know, I, I have attitudes that were formed in the, you know, in the late 70s and early 80s, which my children, and I think I learned from them, my children kind of find a bit suspect. Yeah, yeah. Let's not get into which ones, but um, just like my father, my father-in-law and mother-in-law have attitudes, and my parents would have had attitudes that I found you know, Neanderthal in yeah. some ways. It's just, it's just how times change. Yeah, it just is. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're woke now. Exactly. <laughs> We're it's aware. It means like self awareness, pretty much. Well, that's another episode, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have another question to wrap up? No, I was just want to say. That, I was that, was, that was everything and more that I wanted. It, that I thought it would be, and I feel like we I say this every episode, but especially with you, Damien, we could just be here for a couple of hours. That was fun. I know you're busy, but it was fun. Really yeah, enjoyed that. I enjoyed I feel like I just sat back there and you asked all the questions, Scotty. And behind the mic, I've just been smiling and nodding. (laughs) So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Damien, as well. Good. Thanks for having me.